This is Update One, the podcast of the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Update One provides a forum for listeners to learn about national and international stories, focusing on journalism and communication issues, news and politics. Now, the latest edition of Update One. I'm Adam Cano, and joining me today are fellow National Press Club members Alan Kotak, Aretha Williams, and Ben Sorreo. Ben joins us from Mesa, Arizona, while Alan and Aretha are here in Washington, D.C. All are involved in the club's 22nd annual member photo exhibit entitled Picture This, which is on display at the club and online. And thank you all for joining me today. Alan, before we get to this year's unique aspects, please remind our listeners about the NPC's photography team, as well as the history of this annual photo exhibit. The photography team has been going for 23, 24 years. It's a um, professional interest group in the National Press Club, focusing on photojournalism. And we meet periodically every few weeks and hear from photographers and, and the work they're doing. We also hear from experts talking about the art and craft of photography and topics like technology and economics, economics affecting uh, photography. The exhibit itself is the uh, photography team's signature event of the year, and that's been going for 22 years. We're returning it this year to the 13th floor lobby of the press club where it all started out. That's great. And we'll talk a little bit about the display both in the club and online in the minute, but this year's exhibit has, I think, 151 images from 39 club members. Just how does that compare with past exhibits? It's about the same as what we uh, had two years ago, which was the last time we had an exhibit on site. The last time we had also both print photographs and digital uh, images. The important thing about the exhibit is that it is an exhibit and not a contest. Why that's important is because you get entries that reflect what people are working on right now. And as a result, the photos and images you see on display are a little bit more edgy and a little bit more experimental than what you would see if we were holding a uh, contest. We'll definitely talk about a couple of those different um, exhibitors in a minute. Yes. But the exhibit that's on display this year, it's at the National Press Club lobby, as you said, on the 13th floor of the National Press Building through September 30th. It's also being hosted on your website, I know. Um, I'll read off the URL. It's a bit long, so we'll make sure it's in the, the, the body of the, the post as well. HTTPS colon backslash backslash technewslit.com slash NPC slash photo EX. 2021 slash index.html. Tell me a little <laughs> bit about how you've adapted to this more hybrid display of both having the in-person uh, exhibit at the club as well as the online version. For the sake of uh, the listeners here to the podcast, if it's okay, I'd like to give them an easier way to uh, get to the exhibit catalog. Go to technewslit.com. That's uh, the website of my digital publishing company, technewslit.com, and scroll down and you'll see the link to the exhibit catalog. The real adaption to the pandemic happened last year. 
Last year, we had to go all electronic. We couldn't hold the exhibit in the lobby of the press club for obvious reasons. So that's why the format you see of the exhibit catalog enables you to go to a particular photographer and see his or her uh, entries or scroll through one participant at a time. Ben, let me turn to you. Your work includes a number of sweeping panoramic nature images. Why did you choose that direction and especially the subject of nature for this year and this work? Well, there's a major change, I think, in 2020 with COVID. And I found myself not being able to go out, get on a plane, get on a train and take some photographs. In fact, everyone that I knew was sort of either stuck in their apartments or holed up in their homes somewhere and not being able to go anywhere. And I was sort of fortunate because I hate to say I live out here in Mesa, Arizona. So I'm pretty far away from the nearest towns and uh, a lot of people. So it was easy to get in my car and to uh, take what I call off-grid photographs and come back and share them with people who I knew who couldn't get out of their homes, couldn't make trips outdoors because it just wasn't possible at the time. People were not vaccinated yet. Many listeners will be familiar with the idea of taking a panoramic photo on their smartphone, but your interest in this format really predates the smartphone, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I was making panoramic images at NASA's Johnson and Kennedy Space Centers. Saturn V rockets are a football field a bit longer. So to have a panoramic camera that can actually document their uh, their rocketry was important when doing doing the uh, a project called uh, the new the New Frontier revisited America's early space program for NASA. I can certainly see why that panoramic format would be helpful for something like a rocket, especially before it's turned vertical for launch. But tell me how that format is good for storytelling in other ways. Panoramic images sort of do not help tell the human story as well as we would think, because it sort of it makes people look very small. And uh, so in this, in this case, if you look at the images quite carefully, you can actually see people in the distance, very, like, very, they're there, but very small. So the panoramic images are not necessarily flattering to people, but they do give us a great idea of the surrounding area, the landscape that we live in. You talk about distance. There's a bit of a distance between you and the National Press Club. You're based in Mesa. Uh, so what, what attracted you to the club? I understand you're a fairly new member. Actually, I, I lived and worked in New York City for 20 years and uh, had clients uh, who actually gave presentations at the National Press Club when I, when I worked in New York City. So I knew of, of the National Press Club. And I also feel that over the years, electronic media and electronic journalism has taken a, a firm hold in the past maybe about 10 to 15 years. So I thought it was a good thing to join the National Press Club because I, I think you're doing some really interesting work in this area. Let me turn to you, Aretha. Three of the four photos that you have on display have gone through what looks like a fairly painstaking retouching and colorizing and other editing techniques. Uh, so tell me what drives your artistic approach. I think when we think about news, we tend to draw a distinction between what's documentary and what's news and what's art. And I would like to open a conversation about that and actually blending those barriers because in effect, all news and certainly all photography is editorial. 
in the sense that if a picture can tell a thousand words, right, that story is being told by whomever is holding the camera and what they choose to focus on and what the composition of the shot is and what they're excluding and et cetera, et cetera. So I think for me, um, I follow my intuition and my intuition is informed by the fact that I am a woman of color, emphasis on the color, right? <laughs> and on the fact that what it means to be human and what it means to be an artist and what it means to tell stories at this time that are marginalized and have not been traditionally told um, is a really powerful opportunity because as Chief Arva Looking Horse, 19th generation of the sacred white buffalo calf bundle, um, keeper of the bundle tells us, we're at a crossroads, right? We're at a crossroads environmentally, we're at a crossroads in terms of human relations, <laughs> we're at a crossroads in terms of white supremacy, in terms of misogyny, we're at a crossroads that maybe we've never been as, as a people before. And so I think my role is to follow my intuition and point the camera in places that can inform the story um, of how we are going to make it through this very dangerous time in human history. And that ultimately means we have to have new voices, new visions, new ways of seeing. And specifically with color, I find that color has the ability to widen the perspective of who is viewing and to speak not just to the head of someone who is you know, looking at the photograph, but also to the heart and to the spirit, which is where we need to be at this time and specifically focusing the lens again on those stories that are just simply not told and oppressed and marginalized. And there's so much beauty and hope and promise. Um, and color for me just helps to highlight all of that and to bring out and point the way forward. Three of those photos in particular, one of Vice President Harris, one of a black child in Charlottesville, Virginia, and, and then a man at an indigenous rights rally. So these all speak to topics of the time. And you've talked about the importance of color um, as a way to sort of enhance and bring to light literally, you know, those issues. Yeah. It, it's a very editorial approach. So in terms of helping people perhaps gain a new perspective and perhaps amplify their voice, wh where do you see these photos driving people from a behavioral perspective? Well, I would certainly hope again that they would feel some sort of awakening when they look at my photographs. So um, we can see through the photograph of Vice President Harris, for example, that this is a very special moment in history, right? We have a woman of color, a black woman, an Indian woman, an Asian woman in the White House. And that deserves more, I think, than kind of a stark portrait. <laughs> that deserves a portrait of the energetic effects of that, right? And um, of what she brings just across the spectrum um, in terms of promise and the breaking of a new dawn. And so you'll see that kind of represented in that photograph. And I would hope again, that when people view my work, they see, oh, okay, there might've been something that I have not spent enough time looking at. There may be communities that have been left out of the news. There may be ways forward that have not been highlighted and look at the beauty um, that can happen when you immerse yourselves in these really humanitarian questions. And um, when you specifically, you know, mine the, the lost treasure <laughs> of people of color and indigenous people, black people, 
um, and the voices who truly can help us, again, point the way forward to a better future. Your fourth photo is unfortunately quite the opposite in terms of what it represents and, and how it's portrayed. It's a very stark image and it has none of the retouching of the other three. It shows five heavily armed yet totally anonymous law enforcement officers standing on guard near the Trump White House. Was the decision to leave this image raw intentional and what do you want that takeaway to be? Well, again, I follow my intuition and my intuition is to highlight what is beautiful. Unfortunately, this is one of the ugliest scenes my eyes have ever witnessed in my life and one of the most terrifying and dangerous scenes I think that this country has ever seen. Um, we saw what happens when you put an aspiring fascist dictator in the White House, right? You get secret police, heavily armed, ready to suppress the voices of people who are calling for a very simple cause, which is for police to stop killing Black people, okay? So when I look at that photograph and when I experienced taking that photograph, I saw a, a chance to capture a warning, a chance that speaks for itself um, when you view what it means to bring people from inside the bowels of the prison system and the prison industrial complex who are trained in suppressing riots um, in the process of mass incarceration and not trained to respect human rights, not trained necessarily to respect constitutional rights. Um, and they are put on the streets of our capital with no way to identify who they are with a mishmash of seemingly military and you know, different agencies just pulled randomly together. I want people to look at this photo and be scared <laughs> that if we don't put some uh, barriers in place, we could very well see this scene repeated all around the country. Um, the man who was in the White House at the time, it has a master war chest of $100 million at this point. He is telegraphing that he intends to run again. Um, we have many of the same problems, including a lack of willingness on the press to focus on his white supremacy and his misogyny and his danger to democracy. Um, we have a lot of conditions that might put us right back into this situation writ large. So I wanted to bring this photograph forward just as a moment of reflection to say, if you want fascism, brutality, uh, lack of accountability. I don't even call them police officers, right? Because these are not police officers. This is a hodgepodge that is accountable to whom. Um, so yeah, that's what I hope when people take a look, they do see starkness, they do see danger, and they are inspired to get up and start protecting our constitutional rights. The National Press Club is a beautiful example of what happens when people come together to protect one of the most fundamental rights, freedom of the press. And so I thought it was the perfect photograph for this opportunity. Aretha, you just talked about the National Press Club and you've been a member for about 15 years. Ben is a new member. Uh, I, I'm guessing that the press club and what it stands for is a big reason for why you continue to stay involved. Yes, absolutely. I love the National Press Club. I think that there's no better place to be at this time as we all think about what constitutional rights and freedoms can we personally help to defend and protect? Freedom of the press is absolutely essential. And the press club has been and will be a vital part um, in upholding that right. And so I'm honored um, to still be a member of the National Press Club. 
And I'm also very encouraged by a lot of changes that I've seen since I've been a member. I feel like there is greater um, inclusion happening. I feel like there is greater diversity happening. I want to give a big shout out um, to our fearless leader, Lisa Matthews, and to the all-female uh, leadership team that we have at this time. This is truly uh, a beautiful development that has happened and a really good sign that within the club, we are looking towards the future. Um, and so I am probably more encouraged than I've ever been and intend to stay a member for life. It is absolutely a landmark moment. Alan, yeah. last question back to you. With unprecedented high-profile events like the January 6th insurrection and the Black Lives Matter protests, was it a challenge trying to achieve balance in this year's exhibit? Well, the core of the exhibit each year and this year also is photojournalism. And photography holds up a mirror, very much a mirror, sometimes literally a mirror to society. So the images that we present this year in the exhibit reflect what's going on. But the concept of balance is interesting. This year we saw, at least in the five years now that I've been organizing the exhibit, this is the first time we've seen definitely a tangent off toward the artistic side of photography. I, I mentioned that photography is an art and a craft, and definitely the art side of photography comes through quite strongly in the um, collection we have this year, and I think it's great. And uh, the uh, two individuals we just heard from are um, stellar examples of it. Alan, thank you so much. And thanks again to Aretha Williams and Ben Sorreo. To see this year's NPC photo exhibit, go to the NPC lobby by September 30th or visit technewslit.com. For Update One, I'm Adam Cano. Update One is a production of the National Press Club's Broadcast Podcast Committee. You can comment on this podcast or any episode of Update One by sending an email to Update One Podcast. That's update the number one podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to Update One. Update One.